Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome in to the Boys and Girl Podcast with Cowboys NFL Network reporter Jane Slater and NFL Network producer Bobby Belt. A Cowboys community with the inside scoop on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, coming straight to you from the Lone Star State, here's Jane and Bobby. I'm just really frustrated. I thought we could come up here and really put together a better effort in all three phases. Oh, man, that is way too much pressure! When you're general manager, of which I am, those coaches are out there at my ultimate decision. You are at Her Majesty's pleasure. I don't think there's a game that a coaching staff has areas that it couldn't do better in. I just uh, I don't like it that we've got so many as I'm standing here tonight. We just got to focus on coaching as well as we can and playing as well as we can. First rule of leadership. Everything is your fault. There certainly were some things in the game that we have to get better at, and we're going to work on that as a staff and as a football team. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. But again, our eyes are forward on Buffalo. At the end of the day, the buck stops with me. This has been a relatively uncomfortable year for Jason Garrett, Bobby. You know, we have had years in the past where, you know, Jason's only had one losing season, but sometimes his ability to be a successful in-game manager has come under scrutiny. And we just talked about this on the pod a few episodes ago. Here we are again, but I think what is standing out to me right now is, you know, we've often argued and I've often said, yeah, when people ask me about the hot seat for Jason, I'm always like, eh, it's warm because the way the players perform from the locker room and Jerry liking the devil that he knows this seat all of a sudden feels scalding hot based on not only his comments on Sunday after just a four-point loss to the Patriots. I don't care what Troy Aitman says. <laughs> given the weather, uh, given that you're going up against a guy like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady to only lose this game by four points, I saw a moral victory there. But you also felt like coaching cost you the game. The fact that Jerry didn't take his foot off the gas pedal and continued going after the coaching staff. And I thought the most telling was him saying that the coaches out there are by his decision. It felt like uh, somebody saying, like, you you are there at the pleasure of the king mm-hmm. is what it felt like. 
this all of a sudden feels uncomfortable. And I talked to a team source, Bobby, and I asked, I said, you know, is that just tough talk from Jerry Jones on the radio? In other words, you're trying to light a fire. You know, it's like your dad saying, you know, you're I, I've had it. You know, you're grounded for a month. You're the phone's getting taken away. Don't come out of your room. And then two days later, it's you right. know, it's fine. I was told Jerry is pissed. That was the words that were used to me via text. And then I said, what does that mean? It says, I don't know, was the response back. That is from a good team source. You know, this brings to mind that it was just a few weeks ago. And as I read my text, this was back on October 14th. I had asked about Garrett's job security then to a team source. And I was told, too early to jump ship, too early to build one too. The thing is, you can look up and we are 13 and 3 or hell 3 and 13. So I think right now it's premature to take either side, but added then circle back on Monday. That was in October. Here we are in November. And what's the record now, Bobby? It's 6 and 5. So not 3 and 13, not 13 and 3, but it's... Closer to eight and eight, which eight and eight is a hell no one wants to have again, because this is something that you you don't want to kind of just float in the middle. And that's always kind of been Jason Garrett's reputation, I think, from the outside is that he's an eight and eight coach. He's an average coach. He's a coach for an average football team. And I think that they recognize that. What was the quote from Jerry after the game? He said something to the effect of this team's too talented for me to be this frustrated or or, or something like that. I, I don't think an eight and eight coach is going to cut it anymore. And so if this team comes away eight and eight or nine and seven or somewhere along those lines, I think Jason Garrett's time is probably up because I think Jerry Jones recognizes this team should be better than that. Well, and I think that there's also some ownership. I think there's some parts when I'm listening to Jerry talk, him taking ownership when he, my favorite quote, actually, I think it's just best if we play it for him. This was on one Oh five, three, the fan this morning and only Jerry can sum up what it's like to own a football team by using jello as an example. Listen, man, running one of these football teams and when you run it the way that I do and with the help that I've got, it's like holding two handfuls of jello. <laughs> and about the time you think you've got it corralled over on one part of your hands, it's coming out the fingers on the other. <laughs> And uh, so, uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, uh, in no way are you listening to the smallest violin in the world. I'm the luckiest guy on this planet. But what he's essentially saying there is he spent a ton of money on this roster in the offseason. He went and made made changes at the offensive coordinator position, went and got you a Sean McVay 2.0 is how it was sold to us and how we were told this thing was going to go. Got John Kitna Mm -hmm. uh, to work with Dak on his mechanics, which we don't talk about enough. I think that's an area that Jerry should be proud of. That's an area that's worked. But I think what he's frustrated about is I think he's looking back on last season and going, should I have made the change then? Should we have brought Jason back on this one-year prove-it deal? Because I'm getting the sense that he feels like, you know, we've been talking about this window closing for years. His biggest regret, what's his biggest regret? What does he always say, Bobby? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I'm blanking here. I'm not but... talking about just in general. <laughs> no, I mean, he's, he he's, often he's... says one of his biggest regrets is that he didn't get Tony Romo a championship. Yeah. He feels like he wasted the talent of DeMarco Murray, Jason Witten, DeMarcus Ware, and Tony Romo and didn't get them a ring. We are now, we talked about this the other day. We are now going to be entering the fifth year of Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott's career. We are seeing that offensive line, that great wall of Dallas sort of deteriorating a little bit. And I got to think that Jerry's going, this window is getting a lot closer to being shut than I wanted it to. 
it was the last year that Troy Aikman won a Super Bowl was his seventh year in the league. So by his seventh year in the league, he had already won three Super Bowls. His Troy Aikman's fourth year in the league, he won his first Super Bowl. We are at Dak Prescott's fourth year in the league. And I think that Jerry is cognizant of he saw how quickly a young team fell apart when he was able to build a contender. And I think he's feeling like, you know what, this is around the time that last team gelled together. And so I don't have time to waste on this. If Jerry already is sort of thinking back to last year's decision and wondering if he made the right call, that to me almost sounds like Jason's fate is sealed. And this is going to just run its course. And, and short of a Super Bowl, a miracle run that gets you a Super Bowl, I think it is Super Bowl or bust for Jason's future here. If they do not make the Super Bowl, I don't think he's back. And I go back on back and forth on this one, Bobby, because... I do respect the hell out of Garrett. I respect the fact that that locker room, I mean, I've never once heard this team waver on this guy. Not once. And even when you go in the locker room there today, and even when I've gotten these guys off to the side and privately, they never bag on Jason Garrett. And I know Dak Prescott loves that guy too. So I struggle with the fact you bring in in a new voice, a new coaching staff, Sometimes that doesn't always work. And again, I always use the Texas football as, as, uh, as an example. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite work down there. Ever since she got rid of Mac Brown, how did Charlie Strong work out for you? Right. How's Tom Herman worked out for you? Right. It, it, a new voice doesn't always work, right? And then I always go back to this personal connection he seems to feel with Jason, of course, his dad. And, you know, you've had Judd Garrett on staff, his brother. But if he was willing to not let Tony Romo compete for his job and he was willing to say goodbye to DeMarcus Ware and say goodbye to Jamarco Murray, and say goodbye to Des Bryant, I think he's capable of severing this emotional connection to Jason Garrett. And to your point, it feels different. It feels different around here. It does. And I think that this is also not just the window of this team. I think it's also Jerry's window of being a day-to-day, you know, overseer of what things are doing. I mean, he is getting older. Bro, his... That guy, I don't know if he's had a stem <laughs> transplant. I don't know if he's going to a low T center. He does seem rejuvenated. I have never seen a guy with more energy than Jerry Jones. And I always go back to, you know, when we talk about the Ezekiel Elliott signing, that thing went well into the night. The thing went until three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. And then Jerry was up talking to investors about this Comstock energy deal. Mm-hmm. He rang the the bell on the New York Stock Exchange. I had friends on Wall Street who said he was shaking hands and garnering public sentiment for this new risky business venture. And then he's on the plane the next day, hopping up on stage and announcing Ezekiel Elliott and this new contract with the team. Well, right behind him, Ezekiel Elliott goes to get up there and Ezekiel Elliott kind of trips on the step. (laughs) And it was hilarious to me because it was what we see here. I've never seen a guy with so much energy. I turned 39 this year and I feel like the wheels are slowing down. Jerry, in the time that I've covered this team since 2003 on and off, he feels like he's gotten more rejuvenated, more energized. And I feel like this is like one of those gambles that just drives him nuts at night. He feels like he's thrown all the resources. I mean, if you come out here to this facility, it is world class. He has dumped all of his money, his emotions, his time his livelihood into this team, and he has not reaped the benefits of it since the since the mid-90s. 
Yeah, and I and I do think that while he is energetic and he is you know always rip roaring to go, I mean he is nearing eighty though, and and time does catch up with everybody, and I think that he probably just feels like he made a deal with the devil. Remember I, he's told yeah, us that's that. That's true. That's right. Uh, but I do think he he probably looks at this and goes like you know I I want to see this through, and I made this point recently, and this is where I kind of struggle with this is that. I believe, I don't know that if you believe this, so I'll, I'll get your thoughts, but I believe that this core, not every single player, but this general core of the roster, I think eventually they're going to win a Super Bowl. 100%. I, I do think that's going to happen. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's four years from now, whatever it may be. There would be something a little bit, Jason Garrett has had a huge part in this. He fought for Dak Prescott. That was a, a, a big player that he liked. Um, you know, he's uh, done a lot to kind of build this culture. And, and so for all these frustrations, it would feel a little like the Colts winning the Super Bowl without Edron James, like right after he left, if this team were to see it come together, come to fruition without Jason Garrett, because he was such a big part of, I think, structuring it. I, I think there would be a little kind of regret on the part of everybody that, man, it, it's tough. We couldn't get this done while Jason was here. I, People I, in the building. I'd I'd 100% feel for Jason. And honestly, you know, you're supposed to take emotions out of it and and be credible as a journalist. And and I certainly approach this job that way. But you do form connections with people. And while Jason, I would say probably don't see eye to eye on everything. I have always appreciated who he is as a human, as a person, the way that the that he's connected with his players, Mm -hmm. his consistency. He's not erratic. He doesn't leak stories. He's not... He's not ego driven. And we see that in the league. I mean, this league attracts a certain personality and that's not who Jason is. And I respect that. And if you talk to a lot of people across the league from former players to teammates to coaches, they'll tell you the same thing. And so I'm not one of those that celebrates the fact that this has been a tough year for Jason. I hate it for him. Mm -hmm. In fact, I often wonder what it's going to look like when he is able to free himself of the handcuffs that come with coaching an organization like this, the scrutiny, the the attention. I often wonder what Jason Garrett would be like with a team like Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He's from Ohio. That's a great young team. You don't you don't think Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, and Odell Beckham Jr. would be interesting for him to coach? Sure. Or to see what he could do up in New York. And I think New York is going to get the same level of scrutiny. But I've always thought Ohio would be and Cleveland would be an interesting team for him. I could see Jason getting it done one or, day. And people are going to say I'm crazy for saying that, but I believe that about or, him. You know, and uh, this has been suggested before by people, I think, is that another organization where it might be interesting to see if he'd be able to operate well would be take a look at like a team like Washington, which has sort of the same eccentric, high maintenance ownership and uh, has probably more than anything else needed a steady hand, has needed that type of, you know, consistency and leadership. I mean, that. There are plenty of places where I think the Jason Garrett model could lead to success. I just wonder if at this point, not in any sort of, you know, uh, negative way, like things are sour between him and the players. I just wonder if that message has gotten as far as it possibly can with this group of players and somebody else is going to have to come in here to push it over the edge. I just look at it a little bit like Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, Chris Martin. Like there needs to be a conscious uncoupling. Oh, you know, yeah. the, the sparks have faded. There's no real lust in the relationship anymore. They can be friends moving forward. It just honestly might be in and both it, parties' best interest. And in the end, Gwyneth 
gets custody of Apple. So he would go to the Big Apple and, and take over the Giants. Is that where we're going to take the analogy that far? Well, I mean, then we could get in the whole analogy of that she didn't actually live with her newly minted husband because they wanted to live in separate houses for a while. And yeah, you know, and then, and you're then actually they go in Jersey, and, and then so, they all yeah. go on vacation together. But yeah. I, one hundred percent, I can see, flesh that out. So. But I can see Jason still going on off season vacations with the Jones family, even oh, yeah. as a coach for another team. So if we want to go there, yeah, that's yeah, how the I mean, dynamics work. Des Bryant still sits at a suite with Jerry at like concerts and stuff. So yeah, I mean, there's uh, no hard feelings there, I would guess. But yeah, I do. It does feel a little bit like the time's running out for Jason Garrett. And I think that for a lot of guys in that locker room, for a lot of players, I think that that's starting to rest with them a little bit. Like, uh, we're running out of time to, if we want this guy here with us, if, if we believe in him, if this is the guy we want to be in the foxhole with, we're running out of time to make sure he's here. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. All right. Well, joining us now is uh, one of my buddies. It's RJ Ochoa. He is the... Uh, RJ, what would be your exact title? You're, you're like, what, head writer or something like that at Blogging the Boys? Uh, I think, you know, the paycheck title says producer, but it's really just kind of uh, whatever is necessary. You know, some days it's different. Some days it's one thing, it's the other, but it's all fun. And that's really what matters the most. And RJ, I feel like we should add to your byline, uh, recent media darling. You got two shout outs on one of my favorite football programs in the morning. Good morning, football. I think we've got some quick audio of that. Peter, do you follow the fan blog, Blogging the Boys? Cowboys blog? I Absolutely. It's basically like Arrowhead Pride, but for the Cowboys. And these guys hit it hard. The idea that like, well, with Dallas in, enough of this, give it to Zeke. Let's go through Dak. What do you got, Sean? Mm. You know what? I'm going. You're, you're talking about blog with the boys. Yeah, blog with the boys. How about the Dallas Cowboys? Dak Prescott 
And then I put Kellen Moore down on here, too, because this is the biggest surprise to me. Now, you mentioned blogging with the boys, and, and I had a little uh, friendly banter with them this you summer. Did? Did you? I, I made a quarterback list, and yeah. Dak Prescott was third on my list. And you know why I put him third on the list? He had struggled in the red zone previously. Guy had never thrown for more than 4,000 yards in his career, so I just didn't know what I was going to get. Well, guess what we're getting and what we're seeing from Dak Prescott? Yeah, that was really cool. Um, appreciate it. Uh, you know, BTB. Uh, is something that we strive to be kind of like a hub for people that love the Cowboys. And so that was really awesome. I mean, those are two great guys, and I love everything NFL Network. And so uh, it's always fun to see when stuff makes its way around the Internet. The boys legitimized. I loved it. Well, we respect the heck out of your work. So that's why we wanted to get you on here because there is a lot to dissect as it relates to this Cowboys team. Yeah, and RJ, I know you were actually uh, in Foxborough for that uh, tough loss to the Patriots. And so you weren't getting a lot of the same live analysis from the TV and reactions. You were getting unadulterated reactions for yourself. What were your impressions, I guess, just of how that game was managed? And did you take away from it leaving that stadium that this was a game that was on the coaching staff more than anybody else? Or or what were your impressions from that loss? Uh, You know, I um, it it felt slow, I guess, being there. Um, Certainly, I mean, I know the weather had a lot to do with it. Um, And and it felt, I don't know, it, it felt like sort of predetermined in a weird way. Like, you know, it, it, it didn't have the feel of like, this is the moment, you know, I, even when, you know, they, I got the ball back, you know, with two minutes left and, and you thought maybe this is something that's uh, going to kind of turn the wheels around. It, it wasn't, it didn't materialize. I mean, it just, it felt like they went up there and they just kind of went through the motions to some degree. I think the weather had a lot to do with that. Uh, but it, it, you know, I'll say this, the tripping thing didn't feel as, aggressive live. I think that was something that the broadcast really sort of pushed over the edge, but it it just felt like something that was going to happen. And that ultimately did happen. With that being said, RJ, I know Troy Aitman said on the broadcast that there are no moral victories. I actually looked at this one as a moral victory in the sense and a, a reason that I continue to maintain that this roster isn't garbage. You went up to new England in those conditions and you kept this game within four points a game that it felt like they could have won. That to me is what was the most frustrating about this. And I've got to think it was the most frustrating to Jerry Jones. I feel like that's what really drew his ire after this one, because you didn't feel like the Cowboys weren't necessarily in this one. They, they Throughout the year, they haven't gotten blown out of these games. It's just, it's the slow starts. It's the penalties. It's the way they shoot themselves in the foot. And I think that's why he's laser focused on, the coaching staff, even though today when we're in the locker room, the players are so quick to take ownership and say at the end of the day, they've got to execute the place. What's your takeaway? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I do think there's a lot of um, hindsight greediness, right? Because you, you look at it and you say, okay, we only lost by four points, whatever. I, and I think to your point, you know, if somebody had told, you know, any Cowboys fan in June when they were kind of, you know, everybody's looking at the schedule saying, oh, I think they're going to win this or they're going to lose that one. They said, you, you know, the, the weather will be horrible in New England and you'll lose by four points. I think people would say, well, then, you know, the Cowboys obviously probably played a pretty close game. I think it's, you know, this is a little greedy because I think it's the way that it happened. That's why I think people are focused on the details. I mean, you, you come into that game with the number one offense in the NFL by most metrics and you don't even score a touchdown. And I know the weather and the defense had a lot to do with that, but I do think it's the fact that, you know, it was there. I think, you know, you had a missed field goal. They had two missed field goals, you know, the fact that the only touchdown of the game came off of a mistake and a blocked punt. And so it's one of those things where when you, you know, reverse analyze it, you say, 
well, you know, yeah, the Cowboys should have won this game. And I think that it's a level of greed, but it's in this particular case, maybe a level of fairness because it was such a game that, you know, the Patriots are the Patriots and you didn't, you didn't run into that. You know, if Tom Brady throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns against you, you just, you know, you kind of swallow that and say, that's Tom Brady, but he wasn't that person. The Patriots didn't do anything exemplary. It felt like, it felt like the Cowboys just kind of stumbled over their own feet. And and that's, I think where people are most frustrated. This feels a little bit to me. I don't don't know if you'd agree with this, but I'm interested for your sake. This feels a little bit to me like, for the first time in Jason Garrett's tenure, there's always been some issue. You know, the defense is porous in 2013. You have a, you know, the Dez should have caught it type of thing or, or the injuries that happened to Romo and, and, and Dez in 2015. There's always some reason for things. This to me feels like the first year where the excuses have kind of run out and this is starting to feel like it's on the coaching staff and these shortcomings are problems with the coaching staff. Would you agree that that's kind of the... I guess, temperature of this team at the moment? Yeah, um, I think that you can probably isolate maybe a season's worth of games over the last decade to kind of, you know, your your Garrett miscue collection, so to speak. I think, you know, like Arizona 2011 when he I Stan Bailey is one of those games. And it feels like there's one or two of them every year. But this does feel like the lowest point. And I think it's sort of the perfect storm in that, you know, you had this opportunity to get this quote unquote signature win that everybody's looking for. You were on the road in New England of all places. You were in this game. You were so close. It, it was a one possession game. And, and Jason Garrett has talked so much about that, how they believe that you've got to be able to win those in the NFL. And, you know, the, the fact that they keep it, it's it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to lose because of your own self-induced decisions. And I think that people are really looking at the fourth and seven one. And I think I think there is some nitpicking in that, you know, two weeks against the Minnesota Vikings, it's, you know, all the criticism is, well, you decided to run on second and two and third and two. And now it's you decided to pass on second and seven and third and seven instead of making fourth down manageable so that you could go for it. And maybe people are a little bit aggressive there, but I think ultimately they've been worn so thin on Jason Garrett that if this had happened in the second or third year of his tenure with the Cowboys, I don't know that it's as big of a deal, but because it is the ninth full season, because it is a contract year, because, you know, the division is so up for grabs and you are in this position where everybody's, you know, so achy for a Super Bowl, for an NFC championship game appearance. I think it's just reached a boiling point. So people are, are quicker to lash out than they have been in seasons past. It is crazy because when you look at Jason Garrett's record, you know, and I've long argued this, if Jerry Jones decides to part ways with them because of who he is, the way that the players continue to vouch for him, play for him, believe in him, there are going to be at least, in my opinion, a handful of teams that are going to want Jason Garrett as their head coach. What's different about Dallas is, you know, I went to the University of Texas. It's sort of the same thing. It's it's a win-now mentality. And what I think is interesting is that, you know, Jerry is so, he is so risky in, in business over the years, but he has been so safe as it pertains to keeping Jason Garrett as the head coach. But NFL Research had this nugget that came out, and honestly, it just sort of blew my mind. It, it's something that I knew, but I sort of <laughs> needed right in front of me. Yeah. There are seven coaches since 2011 who have been with their current team. Of those seven coaches, Jason Garrett is the only coach to not take his team to a Super Bowl. That is wild to me. I mean, you go down the list, Ron Rivera's on the list. You know, you've got Sean Payton, uh, Harbaugh's on the list. But the fact that he hasn't been able to get that done, and when this is a, we've been hearing it in Dallas, a win, uh, the window is closing mentality here. And then you consider this year, RJ. I mean, this was 
a soft schedule by all accounts. When you look at the front end of their schedule, you look at the fact they haven't had any significant injuries or really losses of players to suspension. Um, So it's not like you're looking at the Eagles who lost a quarterback one year or the offensive line. I think that's what's gotten in Jerry's cross space more than anything. Like I had already heard how livid he was after the Rams game when they felt when they came up short. And I know that there were some things going on behind the scenes back then. You know, Jerry, the, the wheels were turning, but then he allows Jason to come back this year and everybody had such high expectations. If you go in that locker room, RJ, they had high expectations for themselves. And to have this record, I just, I don't know about you, and I, this is my long way of getting this to you, <laughs> but I had been willing to say that Jerry will continue to stay the course with Jason because every year he gets them thinking that they're this close and this team continues to buy in. It feels different right now. And to your point, it does feel like there are more games this year that you can put on Jason Garrett than you can put on the players. I think that's well said. I think the injury and suspension point is a really good one because, you know, it's, you know, well, you know, we were down Greg Hardy for part of the season. You know, we, we lost Randy Gregory. I mean, you know, this and that. I mean, obviously the Tony Romo season is sort of the albatross and all of it. I would even add to that this season beyond the fact that it's been an easy schedule just on full face value. They've also, they drew the Saints without Drew Brees, you know, they drew the Packers without Devontae Adams and the Vikings without Adam Thielen. And yeah, they beat the Lions without Matthew Stafford, but they drew the, the Patriots without, you know, uh, Philip Dorsett and Muhammad Sanu and Jason McCourty. And so those are the things that, you, you know, it's so frustrating to consider how they could have lost. And I also think, um, you know, it, it hasn't just been, and I think this is where patience for a lot of people is just so worn out. It's not just that Jason Garrett is potentially losing games to characterize it that way. It's it's the the aftermath of it has been so strange. I mean, you know better than anybody that he's normally quite the pro, you know, behind a microphone and he's he's normally really polished and he's normally, you know, really unaffected by whatever's happening, but it feels like this season he's had moments where he's been a little bit more aggressive, uh, maybe a little bit more, and I don't mean to throw this word out in a negative context, but a little bit more arrogant. You know, the way he handled the, the aftermath of the Vikings loss was very interesting. I know you had pressed him about the Tavon Austin fair catch thing. And, you know, coming out after this game, talking about analytics the way he has, it's it's a really, you know, it's an interesting sort of point that he has maybe reached. You know, there's clearly um, not the most... Uh, you know, lovable energy happening there. And for good reason. I mean, no, it's a contractor. It's a stressful thing, but this is, you know, it, it's, I think the, the point that people are also at is now you're at a stage where the offensive line is starting to show signs of injury, you know, and you're not in, you know, maybe the beginning of this window. Now you're, people are starting to see an expiration date on things like that. And so while you had this team, you had this unit and you had all these reasons to be excited about the future, maybe that's going to be wasted. And that's something that I don't know that anybody wants to truly and fully realize because that will mean now you have to start over in some other capacity. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You know, you bring up an interesting point, RJ. I was thinking about this morning. If I'm Jason Garrett, I start nixing that Monday morning interview with Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan. I love those guys so much, but I feel like Jason keeps walking into things there after tough losses because it was there that he admitted that, you know, that Tavon Austin had the options at fair catch. It was there that he admitted that they didn't have the, you know, these analytics in game. And that's what everybody's sort of jumping on. And it's almost like he's in, it's, he's by his own admission, he's giving people fodder as to why he is inept at his job. And so if I'm Jason Garrett, this is just food for thought and I'm not trying to, to hurt Sean and RJ. These are, those are my guys. And I think they do such a tremendous job with these interviews. I'm not doing that Monday morning anymore. Well, and I mean, it, before you even hit on that, RJ, remember that his exit interview last year, his very last interview with them at the end of last year was Scott that whole controversy over Scott's coming back. And then uh, hold on, Jason, you know, we haven't made any decisions yet. And so if even stretching back to the tail end of last year, he's had several of these interview gaffes there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I totally agree. I mean, I think Sean and RJ, first, you know, RJ, the astutely named RJ, but, uh, you know, they're, they're so good at their job that he is kind well, of I don't know. I think he's kind of hurting I, your brand a little bit, RJ. I'm kidding. If, Chop, if yeah, Chop's, yeah. Chop is hurting the RJ But Choppy's not listening to this because he doesn't listen to sports. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's that's never been Jason Garrett, though. Like, he, he's so, you know, pristine that I've I've found it very interesting. You're right, Bobby. The, the Scott Linehan thing was very interesting at the tail end of last season. But the, the this week has been so specifically interesting because... Because I, I'm, I'm not trying to call him a liar, but I don't believe for a second that he doesn't find value in analytics. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if he's covering for somebody. I don't know if he's just bored, if he's just, you know, totally apathetic. Uh, but it seems like, to your point, Jane, there's there's no real merit to acknowledging, yeah, we, we totally refute something that could help our team. It's a very strange pattern of behavior that, that feels uncommon for him from what we've seen for a decade. Especially, especially a guy that's Princeton educated. You would think that you want all the knowledge. Yeah, but then at that point, which really, which which side trumps which? The Princeton educated, high minded guy, or the dug in dad's been in football since the fifties when it was you know jumbo personnel with running. The, I, I feel like <laughs> a lot of his thoughts about football that were were built by his dad and from the era his dad came up through run counter to what analytics say now. But, but how crazy is it that you buy in then to the combine 
the combine is sure. all about analytics, predictive behavior, what you expect a linebacker will perform based on the success of a linebacker with that wingspan, et cetera. So you buy into that, but you don't buy into this probability. And it's interesting when he admitted this, I don't know if you guys listened to Michael Bennett's audio last week or yeah. Jesse Hawley when he talked to us. I knew this team was in trouble when you when they talked about Belichick like literally prepares for every probability. And then you literally heard Jason Garrett say, we do not prepare for every probability. Mm-hmm. That's what I took away from that this week. It's funny. I remember um, back last November, Tom Robinson, who is the director of football research for the Cowboys, which is essentially the analytics title. Um, and, and Tom's a really sharp guy. Tom has been on staff at Northwestern as a uh, math professor. And uh, I remember he was on Hanging with the Boys last year. And they asked him, Shannon Gross asked him as they were going away. He said, uh, he says, one, one last quick question for you. He said, should you ever punt on fourth and short or should you just go for it? And Tom Robinson smiled really big and said, I don't think I'm allowed to answer that question. Thanks, guys. It, because it, it probably runs counter to the type of decisions that they make. But it, well, they didn't use the analytics guy either when they gave Ezekiel Elliott his contract. No, they're, they're, I think that would have said not to do that. <laughs> so but just stay away from analytics. RJ, I, I think it's interesting when you look at this, though, and you start looking at the types of names that may be in the running if the Cowboys do move on from Jason Garrett. Urban Meyer, I know, is the Vegas favorite right now. I, I don't know that I buy that. I think that's just a, a better's favorite is all. Um, but when you start looking at some of these names, who are some of the names you think could be in contention? Who do you think we'll start hearing swirling around this job? But real quick, RJ, I mean, as much as I'm not like the biggest fan of this Urban Meyer thing, when you consider how many Ohio State guys are on the Saints team, I mean, it's kind of like Ohio State South. Mm-hmm. Look how well that's translated for him. Maybe it's not a terrible thing yeah, to have hey. the Ohio State pipeline down sure, here. Sure. Well, I think the Ohio State, you know, um, Urban Meyer idea is interesting because obviously, you know, this um, this particular situation with the Cowboys involves Jerry Jones and, you know, everybody will say Jerry's not getting any younger. And so there's a lot of schools of thought to that, you know, is, is Jerry in a win now mentality is the window closing, whatever. And urban is this guy who has this reputation to come in, get his title, get out. And maybe that accomplishes, you know, that sort of short-term goal for Jerry, which would be to win another Super Bowl. So I think that that makes sense from, from that capacity. Obviously it's got a lot of, you know, lure to it. And it has a lot of glitz and glamor that would, you know, sort of fill a lot of other Cowboys check boxes, but I know, Bobby, you said Chris Peterson. I think that makes sense, especially if you're going to, you know, sort of camp in with, with Kellen Moore and that have, you know, have that be the foundation of your offense. I do, if, if I had to, you know, go to Vegas and, and figure something out here, I do think that, you know, you're, it makes sense given where the Cowboys organization is at, especially with their brain trust and their points of leadership. I, I don't know that it makes sense to sort of start anew with a Lincoln Riley with, you know, a young guy, I think, you know, it makes sense for somebody who's been there and done that in the NFL, because, you know, maybe if you're the Cowboys, you figure we're so close. We've, we've got all this talent. We've got all these players under contract. We just need somebody to come in and, and kind of be CEO, which is ironic considering that's kind of Jason Garrett's strength in a lot of capacities. And I, I think that that would lend to Jack Del Rio. That would lend to, you know, John Fox. I mean, you know, that would lend to names like Jeff Fisher. I don't know that that's Come a good on. idea. <laughs> Come but on, RJ. I, again, I, I don't subscribe to this. I mean, if I'm in charge here, I don't know that, you know, um, those are even anybody uh, that I would want to be interviewed. But I, I think that that makes sense for the composition of this team and the composition of this ownership, because I mean, you look at teams that have kind of hit the reset button with these young, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan, they're teams that, you know, 
seemingly have a lot of time, a lot of rope to play with. And so they're willing to devote some time and some patience. And the one thing the Cowboys have kind of run out of is time and patience. They gave it all to Jason Garrett. And so now, you know, they've sort of taken this ball 99 yards and they need somebody to get it across the goal line. I don't know that a Robert Sala is able to do that. Maybe it is a retread guy and somebody who knows you're building like Matt Eberflus. Uh, but I mean, I, I know that, you know, the, the circumstances of the ownership seem to be a more relevant factor for the Cowboys than they would any other NFL team. What I love about Matt Eberflus is how much this team really respected him and how much Rod Marinelli loved him. I mean, Rod supported yeah. him, you know, as a head coaching candidate. I know it's a guy that loves this area. His daughters are now in college. It would be fascinating to see a guy like Eberflus back here. Uh, but, you know, you guys, especially you, have really dug in on this Peterson candidate. Why? So Chris Peterson was the head coach at Boise State. He uh, when Kellen Moore was Which brought on there, Dallas South. He brought he brought Boise State to prominence. He built a culture there that the Cowboys have very publicly said they love the mindset and the mentality of guys that come out of Boise. That was Chris Peterson's creation. Um, so it'd be something that it'd be a a mindset transition here. It's somebody who, if you decided to keep Kellen Moore, would be close with Kellen Moore, has a good relationship with him, and they could coach together. Uh, And then, I mean, he went on to Washington, where Washington had strong recruiting classes for years, but struggled to be above 500. And as soon as he went there, they're churning out Marcus Peters and Vita Vea, and guys are reaching their NFL potential while they're there. So I think people just view him as a guy who can help these guys reach their highest potential, can build a strong culture, and I just I think it would make a lot of sense with uh, what Dallas is trying to do to to give that a shot. Bobby has literally been banging his <laughs> fist on the table for Peterson. I hope that you're getting ten percent of the cut. I, if that I, I'm just saying steam. that's that's mine. And now I gotta say we'll we'll wrap here with just this question. We'll we'll go around the table real quick. RJ, I'll let you start. Who is the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys Week One 2020 season? Oh man. Um... You know, I, right now I'll say Jason Garrett. I mean, <laughs> so was oh, I. No. I was going to say it too. No. Well, well, I know. I mean, because there isn't there isn't a, a dot to connect that makes a lot of sense. A name that you didn't mention, Bobby, that you have mentioned a lot, uh, certainly off air and stuff, is is Dan Mullen. I think that's another name to watch because the most important in the Cowboys building right now is Dak Prescott. And so you have to, you know, sort of surround that with what makes the most sense, what's the most manageable for him, especially because you're going to give him a big time contract. But because there is not this supreme dot to connect and because at the time that we're having this conversation, the Cowboys are in first place in the NFC East. I mean, for all we know, they get into the tournament, they make some noise. And, you know, it, while, while it does seem like Jason Garrett kind of has one foot out the door, I mean, the reality is he has shown an ability or his teams have at least to kind of bring themselves back in. And so until that chapter is completely closed, it's hard to discount because it's, it's looked this way many, many, many times before. And, you know, the following June and July, Jason Garrett is wearing shorts and a shirt out in Oxnard, California. So it's, it's one of those things that you kind of, you know, you'll, you'll believe it when you see it. Uh, but if it's not Jason Garrett, I'll say this. I would probably, I buy your Chris Peterson thing. And so that would be my sort of one beat. Okay, so you've got Jason Garrett. Jane has Jason Garrett. If it's not Garrett, who are you saying? Are you saying Eberflus? I don't think it would be Eberflus, but I think he would be a compelling candidate that they should take a hard look at. If I was to go, say, like, you know, put down 20 bucks on a name for head coach week one, 2020, I'm going to say it's Mike Zimmer. I not think a that, chance. I, I, think that, I think if Minnesota mm. falls short... I think he's probably done, and they say we he's need somebody else. He's on the same to get... list. If you look at that list that I gave you, the, the seven coaches with their current team mm-hmm. since 2011, his record is all, him and Ron Rivera have an almost identical 
record to Jason Garrett. Zimmer, uh, so to me, that's a lateral I, move. I, I think Zimmer. I think Zimmer. It's a guy they're familiar with. It's a defensive-minded guy, and I think it's somebody that they believe has championship pedigree, being that he was here when they had their '90s dynasty. I think. And Terrence Newman will come back I, with I th- him. I think in the end, familiarity is where they go. Whether that's Jason Garrett, or they go with a former player who's got a great relationship with Stephen, like Jack Del Rio, or they go with Mike Zimmer, who's been in this building before, or you know, the, one of the other wild card names. And I know you and I discussed. Don't this say recently. Tony Romo. He's going to be out of a job soon. Dan Quinn, a guy who's coached a team to a Super Bowl, a guy who has familiarity with the Seattle concepts, a guy who's known for being kind of the rah-rah, like pump guys up guy. I think Dan Quinn would be interesting. It's just a name. It would. Um, I, I buy a lot of that. I do think it has to be a familiar name. But, you know, Ron Rivera obviously interviewed for the job in 2007 yep. when Wade Phillips got it. But but I agree with Jane that if you're going to do any of that, and it, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't make a move simply because you can't find a better one, but that that is a lateral move. I mean, if, if the, Stay point the course is with Jason. Yeah. the point is comfortability, then I mean, what's more familiar and comfortable than what's been the situation for the last decade? RJ, we appreciate you, man. You can follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. And uh, like I said, he does great work over at bloggingtheboys.com. So you should check it out. RJ, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good and a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Bye-bye. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Well, we were looking at potential guests to talk to about this game with the Buffalo Bills, and there is nobody more qualified that we could think of than Eric Wood. Eric was the center for the Buffalo Bills for nine seasons, retiring after 2017, and he is now the color analyst for the Bills radio team. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at EWood70. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. So you've been around this organization for a long time. Uh, Eight and three start. A lot of people excited about uh, the potential of this team, about this defense, about some of the growth that uh, Josh Allen has shown. Um, but, but at the same time, the Cowboys, they head into this game with the Cowboys where both teams have, 
yet to win a game against a team that's been above 500 at the time of the game. Uh, what do you make of this Buffalo Bills team right now and, and their makeup and, and their trajectory heading into this stretch run of the season? Yeah, they, they've handled their business this season. They're eight and three. The only real game that, um, you know, they, they, they played a disappointing performance and let one slip away was probably the Cleveland game where they go two and two, the two and six Cleveland Browns and miss two field goals. Um, won a chip shot and end up losing the game by three points. But other than that, this team has played extremely consistent all season long. The defense has been phenomenal. They're third in the year, third in the league in yards per game, third in yards per play. Um, they're third in the league in pass yards per game, third in the league in points. I mean, they've just been phenomenal. And then these last couple weeks now, um, it's been against. Uh, the Dolphins two weeks ago, uh, but the Broncos last week came in with the fourth-ranked defense in the league, and the Bills' offense these last two weeks has looked really well. Uh, they've done a really good job of putting points on the board. Um, they, they've gone to more of a no-huddle uh, than they were using earlier in the season, and, and that seemed to work well for them. Josh Allen seems extremely comfortable in it, so um, the Bills have to like where they're at right now. It's their best start to a season since 1996. So, um, you know, Bills fans are excited, but, um, you know, I, I guess everybody in, like you mentioned, with um, both teams not winning against a team with a winning record on the year, I guess there's um, still some cautious optimism up in uh, Western New York. I got to tell you, I'm personally disappointed that this one's not getting played in Buffalo. One of my favorite spots uh, to travel and cover a game for the NFL Network, it is truly if fans uh, listening to this podcast haven't been to Buffalo for a game, it is the real deal. It is as advertised. But you talked about the excitement. What is Josh Allen doing there for that fan base? I mean, I, I sort of love that he has reminded New York that they are, in fact, the New York team for them. Uh, but what is it that stands out about him as both a quarterback and a leader in that locker room? You know, I think the the people of Buffalo, the fan base, they, they absolutely love him and they love what he brings to the table. They love who he is in the community. You mentioned um, he made that snark remark at, at the reporters uh, at MetLife when they said, you know, hey, you could have been playing in New York. He said, no, I do. I play in New York. I'm the only team in New York. So uh, Bill's, fan lo- Bill's fans love what he's all about. Um, what they want to know is he the franchise quarterback in um, coming off the Cleveland game a couple weeks ago, a lot of people were asking questions up there. And, and, and when it, I try to give some perspective up there, he's 22 years old. He's getting better and better. Just be patient with him and don't, don't um, live and die with every decision that he makes. Let him get better. Let him take chances down the field and, and see what works and see what doesn't work in these last two games. He's played absolutely phenomenal, but um you know, the first four games of the season this year, uh, he had the most turnovers in the NFL since then, least turnovers in the NFL. So he's getting better and better, making better decisions with the football. And um, so so fans are excited about him up there. You know, I, at times I feel like myself, um, just knowing how tough it is to play the quarterback position, especially at a young age in the NFL, I probably am a little easier on him than even some of the fan base is. But, but everybody up there just wants who's going to be the next Jim Kelly. And, and there's been so many quarterbacks since then, since they've had a true franchise quarterback. And, and everybody just wants Josh to be that guy so bad. And I think they put so much pressure on him. But 
Um, I think he's doing a great job of just continuing to get better and better. One of the big questions about Josh Allen when he was coming out was about some of his accuracy issues and and was he ever going to be the type of guy that could be accurate enough to uh, warrant being one of the top 10 selections. Um, it's been spotty at times, but I know he's he's greatly improved this year. I believe his uh, completion percentage is up by like eight percentage points this year. And one of the fun notes we were researching and found out was that when he completes 60% of his passes, Buffalo's 10-0. and 0, And when he's under it, they're 3-10. and 10. So is it as it seems? Is this team kind of how Josh Allen goes, so goes the Buffalo Bills? You know, I actually referenced that stat on the air last week, so so I'm with you on it. But but yes, this season he's he's above sixty percent on the year. Last year he was a fifty something percent, a fifty six percent passer last year. So a lot's been made of the accuracy issues. And, and another tidbit on that is everyone said, well, he can only throw the deep ball. Well, prior to two weeks ago, he didn't complete a pass this season that traveled over twenty yards in the air. Wow, but on throws 19 yards and closer to the line of scrimmage, he had the highest passer rating in the NFL. So he, he's kind of flipped the script on a number of different things. Now in the past couple of games, they've been able to connect on a couple of deep balls, which um, helps the yardage stats. It, it helps, um, you know, boost some numbers and all that. But uh, yes, he, he's making better decisions with the football this year. Um, and some of the things he's doing is just taking what the defense gives him first off coverage, um, just taking an easy completion underneath. John Brown on the outside is an absolute burner. Well, at times, they'll give him a 10-yard cushion. Well, there was a run play in the game last week against the Broncos on second and five. Josh Allen just simply um, slings the ball to the outside. They convert the first down, and it was a run play. But with that kind of coverage, that's an easy completion. That's an extended handoff. Um, and, and so he's doing better things um, in that regard. Um, but, but yes, coming out of college, it was – you know he's got this huge arm, um, but he's not accurate enough. I don't think I don't think anybody understood what kind of athlete he was going to be as well. His his rushing numbers are, are also um, really good this year. Um, almost 400 yards on the ground. Um, came into last game with seven touchdowns on the ground. Just having a great year running the football as well. Well, one of the guys that the Cowboys fans know pretty well around here is Cole Beasley. You and him could have a flow contest for both having awesome blonde locks uh, for fans that aren't familiar with Eric Wood. Yeah. Uh, What has been your impression of Cole so far and how he's acclimated to that offense in Buffalo and and the way that he's been able to, to get involved there with Josh Allen? Yeah, Cole's had a good season, and he actually had a, a phenomenal preseason. I think he had such a good preseason that he garnered a lot of attention early in the season from opposing defenses, which really opened it up for John Brown. Uh, but Cole Beasley is a young quarterback's dream because of what he can do in the slot and in, in verse zone coverage. He's great at finding um, spots to sit and then versus man. He's a matchup nightmare for a lot of nickel corners. Um in the NFL, but last game, um, the weakness of the Broncos, uh, team, they've had some, they've been a little banged up in the secondary and they put a nickel cornerback, a young guy in Duke Dawson on Cole Beasley. And then Cole has six receptions for 76 yards and a touchdown on, on only nine targets. So, um, Josh Allen, uh, and Cole Beasley, it seems like since training camp have had a great relationship and, and Cole's great for, for Josh. He's played a lot of football in this league, um, Cole's in his eighth year. So he's able to kind of tell Josh, here's what I'm looking for. This is what I'm going to do. You know, um, 
if this is an option route and the, and the DB is outside of me, I want the ball coming to my inside before I even break. Just know that's where I'm going, and um, he's been great for him. And I, I know Cole's looking forward to going back to Dallas this week where he played um, uh, in a number of games for the, for the Dallas Cowboys, and they chose not to re-sign him. And uh, I'm sure he'll go back to Dallas motivated this week. Yeah, what we did learn about Cole Beasley during his time here was he was incredibly competitive, always had an edge to him, and I don't expect him to pull an Eric Weddle and withhold anything about this Cowboys organization. He might be the Bills' secret weapon this week um, as it pertains to this game. Hey, Eric, thank you so much for jumping on the show. We really appreciate perspective and uh, look forward to seeing you guys here on Thanksgiving. Absolutely. My pleasure. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks so much. This is going to be important for the Cowboys. They have yet to get a win against a team with a winning record. The Bills come in here with one at 8-3. and three. The Cowboys' quick injury report, Leighton Van Der Esch once again ruled out of this one. Antoine Woods also out the defensive tackle for the Cowboys with an MCL injury. Amari Cooper, though, not on the injury report for the first time this season. So uh, some positivity, but the last two weeks, they haven't gotten a whole lot out of, out of Marion. Uh, you know, the Bills have struggled at times to stop the ball. That's the one weakness they've had. you got to imagine they're going to load up against the run and and give some single coverage look so it's going to be a big week for Amari Cooper to step up in this game and I look forward to a lighter podcast I don't take joy in these heavy ones Uh, so hopefully we are turning the page a little bit for Jason Garrett and this team when we come to you next at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.